Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode three of What a Save. This is your host, Tyler Niles, and my trusty co-host, my man, Brandon Lewis. What's going on, baby? Not too much. Just got off of work about like three hours ago. Seems like that's where I always am, unfortunately. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do to get by and make a living, right? Yeah. How about yourself? How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. You know, uh, it's a lovely day today, as you would say. Um, out here in Florida, spent a few days in Jacksonville, uh, one one day in Miami, and now I'm, now I'm on uh, the Keys, down on Key West. Beautiful here, lovely beaches, just enjoying myself. That's good to hear. I mean, it must be nice getting some warm weather in, a little bit different than uh, up down in New England. Um where the weather is always bipolar, so you never know what you get every day. Oh, man. Um, The worst. It seems like you probably brought the the Boston luck down to Florida, it seems like, because with Miami going up 3-0 against the Celtics, not that we are a basketball podcast, but, you know, we are following the Florida Panthers, who are just as hot right now, going up, 2-0 2-0 against the Carolina Hurricanes and now possibly even going up 3-0 with this game and how it's turning out as we're watching it right now because it is going on. Um, but it is a third period and the Panthers are leading 1-0. So we will see how that goes by the end of this podcast. Yeah, and you know, uh, uh, you you said it. I think I brought the good luck here, man. Um, ever since I got here, the Miami Heat and the Florida Panthers have been on an absolute tear. Both haven't lost in their series, hopefully, maybe. I don't jinx the Florida Panthers tonight. But you know what? Matthew Chuck and Sergey Bobrovsky. Need I say more? Both still in the show, man. I mean, and, and I don't want to disregard the rest of the team because obviously Sam Bennett and Barkov, who, while he hasn't been a mainstay, Throughout the playoffs so far, and I think uh, during the Bruin series, he was dealing with an illness. Um, so I won't like discredit him for not being able to show up every game. But like this team, man, Montour, like need I say more? This man literally notched I think fifty minutes last game. In game or no, in actually game one, no, yeah. it wasn't. It was game one. Game one, yeah, yeah, game one. Sorry, game one. He notched fifty minutes. Like. Yep. And uh, I, I believe Matt Kachuk as well played over 50 minutes and for a forward, that's that's insanity. I mean, albeit the the game was what two games worth in one, right? Yeah, you basically got Four game one two. and game two in one game. Yes, correct. Insane, dude. Absolutely insane. Uh, believe it was the fifth or sixth longest game in NHL history. Not quite sure on that. Needless to say, that both goalies put on a clinic. And I mean, Absolutely. what a game, right? If there was a Vesna trophy for the playoffs, and I know there's the Smythe, but if there was a Vesna trophy for the playoffs, Bob is getting it. You know what I mean? Like, this dude in his past, or yeah, since he uh, since he came in for the Boston series, he, he's got like a .970 save percentage or something crazy like that. Like, that's unheard of, dude. That is unheard of. And he's playing great tonight, too, in Game 3. I mean, he's stealing the show and 
keeping them in it. Ajo's had a bunch of chances. I, I don't know. This team, it's some like team of destiny type of shit. You know what I mean? They're playing with heart. They're fully behind Paul Maurice and his system and vice versa. They're, they, they're all looking out for each other, playing with grit, playing mean, playing playoff hockey. And they're showing, they're showing that they're capable of winning a Stanley Cup with the team they have right now. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't, we're not there yet, obviously, but, you know, come the Stanley Cup final and if the Panthers are a part of that story, I mean, we're definitely going to have to have a talk about whether or not Bobrovsky might steal the Conn Smythe because he's literally bringing this team to that cup. So if that is the case, like, and, and that's not discrediting what Kachuk is doing because apparently from what, I had read was when he played for Calgary in the playoffs, he was kind of invisible and people complained that they didn't see too much of him. But I think you're seeing everything about this guy playing for this Panthers team. Absolutely. And clutch as they come, scored both OT winners, you know, maybe, maybe another one tonight, who knows what happens, but when you have a guy that can play as good as he does, put up the points that he does, and is as clutch as he's been, that's scary, man. It's really exciting to watch what they're doing. Um, in in your opinion, is this one of the most um, maybe clutch performances in recent mem- memory? If they went on to win it, and I'm only talking clutch performances, I would put this up with, and this could be a hot take, but I would put this up with Tim Thomas playing lights out in 2011 quickie in 2012 uh you name it justin Se- uh justin williams in game sevens you name it this is something that will be talked about for years to come i think oh no yeah for sure i mean there was a fun fact that i literally just stumbled upon before we even started this podcast about kachuk um that he has a chance to set a new nhl record of the most overtime goals in a single postseason, as he's currently tied with three alongside Corey Perry, who set, well, not who set it, but who is currently tied with two others, uh, Corey Perry in 2017, uh, Maurice Richard in 1951, and Mel Hill in 1939. And if there's anything about this 2023 season, it's been a lot of record-setting moments, and that's for not just one single team, but players individually and uh, teams, even franchise setting records. There's just been so much to keep up with this year that it's been crazy. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, we're, we're witnessing history and I could, I could say that because I watched Mel Hill in 1939, you know, I got to see him do (laughs) no, but, (laughs) but no, yeah, he's having a, he's having a playoff performance to remember. That's for sure. And as uh, as Paul Maurice would say, he's a gamer, dude. Played over 40 minutes of game one. Uh, Bennett forces a turnover. Kachuk buries it with less than 15 seconds to go in quadruple overtime. It, it's insane. Um, he's so patient with the puck, too. Like, with that long of a game, just wants to get, you know, everyone just wants to get that game over with. They would just put it on net. No, this guy takes a minute, pulls off a sneaky little toe drag that goes right around Burns and puts it past Anderson Blocker's side. It, it was beautiful. And um, 
what was funny too is that they were saying that they were fueling up on pizza and Red Bull in the locker room between periods. Like if if Nathan McKinnon heard that or saw his teammates doing that, he would have a heart attack. <laughs> he would kill that. He yeah, would be so he, upset. He, yeah, he wouldn't be too happy about that one because Nathan McKinnon is very strict on your eating your eating diet and, oh, yeah. and, and all that that extra stuff. Um, he means business when it comes to playoff hockey or, or, in ho- or hockey in general. I mean, I think we've all seen interviews with Nathan McKinnon and the stuff that gets asked of him and he just makes quick jokes of it. Yeah, and same goes for game two. I mean, again, game winner in OT. Um, Carolina really needs to take this game tonight. Uh, if they fall 3-0, uh, I, I don't know, man. Would you say if they fall 3-0 tonight that the series is over? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call it over. I, I do think that this game is do or die for Carolina. Um if anything, they force maybe a game five. It it's going to be a lot of adversity that they need to overcome. I mean, granted, this is probably the most adversity that they've faced all playoffs or postseason, I should say, because they've never lost back to back games so far. I mean, they literally beat the Islanders four two and and beat the Devils four one, and to start off both of the series, they won both games at home. And in this series so far, they lost both at home. So we're doing a complete swap. And I just don't know if they were prepared for that. Because they were at least probably hoping that they would at least take one of those home games, right? They needed at least one of those home games. They knew what they were going up against when, they, when the Panthers were coming in. Yeah, that's, that's tough. I mean, losing both at home and having to go play in Florida, whose barn has actually been pretty, pretty great as of lately, which, you know, that, that, those fans and that barn used to get a lot of flack, but they've been great and it's going to be hard to play in there, especially with the way they're playing. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I said last pod or maybe it was episode one that I thought the Canes were going to take it in six. I look like a fool right now. And you know what? Maybe they do. Maybe by some miracle they can figure out Bobrovsky and shut these guys down. But I don't know, man. I don't think it's going to happen. It's going to be tough. I mean, but if there's any coach to do it, and we've hyped him up numerous times, Rod Brindamore is one of the coaches to do it. But he does have a huge challenge ahead of him with um, Maurice leading that um, Panthers team. Absolutely. Um, But, you know, I think we've gone on a bit about Florida. You know, we talked about uh, Barkov going down this game. That obviously it, it's tough, but I think they're going to persevere. Um, let's go into the Vegas Dallas series, and honestly, how how crazy both of these series has been. All all four games going into OT, and I would not be surprised if this one goes into OT as well. I don't know when the last time that's ever happened. The first four games of uh, conference finals games going into OT but it's been it's been the story for these playoffs it's OT man uh with the same team being victorious on both sides um but you know what Vegas or Dallas don't have Matt Kachuk to clutch it for them but Vegas had Brett Howden for game one anyway Brett Howden their depth is insane 
and it's finally showing under Cassidy's system, which he was always pretty good with getting that out of the Bruins, but it's been exciting, man, watching these games. They, they've been super exciting. Yeah, and they've been a lot better than round two, let's be honest. I feel like round two was a little lackluster in terms of the games. I, I, I didn't have really any standouts, but so far, even though these games have gone to OT and they've been very close, you know, not very like high scoring, um, they've been entertaining. Um, you clearly see that, uh, you know, all four teams want this more than anything. And you, you can see the fight and the battle and the grit um, that goes into it. And honestly, the, the, the talk already, especially if Vegas ends up going to the cup with us being Bruins fans is, did we give up on Bruce Cassidy too early? And I think that's a gimmick because it's two completely different systems, two completely different teams, right? A whole different set of, of roster players. So like you, you can't compare the two and it's a little frustrating that Bruins fans turn on anything when it goes south. But the moment we're at a high or a peak, everyone's like soaking it in and, and saying we're the best team ever, blah, blah, blah. And it goes the same way for the Celtics because the Celtics are dealing with it as well right now. Um, but, you know, sometimes it stinks to be a Boston fan. And that is a major point of why it stinks to be a Boston fan. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that. Um, the Boston thing is um, after Tom Brady left in 2019, he left to go to Tampa. Boston sports hasn't won anything, which every everyone else you know who isn't a Boston sports fan is like cheering in the streets about it. You know, like they they just love seeing us get beat. But is there a uh, and this is more just a, a joke? But is there a, a Tom Brady curse right now? where he left and while he was here we won and won and won and won and now that he left we just keep losing it's like tom why'd you do this to us man i thought you i thought you loved us what's going on man yeah and after being so close so many times right we have the the 2019 blues like uh just thinking back on that series it's heartbreaking that and, trip and obviously you know things would be so much different now if if you know, we we won that that cup run. Um, oh yeah, the, Benning, Bennington wouldn't be a complete mockery of the league right now because no. his ego inflated his head. Yeah, he's just an outright villain out there right now, like just trying to throw water bottles and fight people. Like, dude, it's all right. You won your cup. Calm down. You got your money too. You you don't have to be a you don't have to be a villain, man. You can be a nice guy. It's all right. But we're straying away from the topic here. Uh, Vegas and Dallas, again, uh, both series have been close games. Um, every game so far, they're just, every team is fighting. Um, but game one, less than two minutes into OT, much, much different than the first game for the Florida and uh, Carolina game. You know, quadruple OT. Less than 15 seconds left to go. Boom. Kachuk buries it. Nope. Game one. Less than two minutes into OT. Uh, Stevenson carries the puck through the neutral zone. Goes towards the net. Passes it back to Stone, who's in the center. He makes a beautiful little nifty backhand pass to Howden, who originally actually misses it. Goes wide. 
but corrals the rebound off the boards and off of Ottinger's back into the net. Uh, unfortunate play for the Stars, but Vegas and Cassidy using, well, not Cassidy himself, but Vegas using their speed to break into the zone, crashed the neck, got a lucky bounce. We've talked about it before with the Canes, but Vegas is getting production up and down the lineup. Uh, six guys with 10 plus points with Stone and Eichel leading the charge. That is Bruce Cassidy hockey. And as you mentioned before, I don't think, you know, I think this was best for both teams. You know, Boston got uh, a rejuvenated roster with Krejci coming back and DeBrusque just playing absolutely lights out. And uh, Vegas got a coach that really knows how to use his roster in depth and can play playoff hockey. Not that Boston can't, but uh, I mean, dude, we took Florida game seven. No other team is even close to doing that to them right now. So uh, I think it, I think it worked best for both teams. And I'm excited to see if Vegas can go to the cup. Uh, I would I would love to see Cassidy raise it uh, as a you know Boston fan. That would that would be sick, man. Yeah, and I mean I think we have to really look back on how Jim came into this team with you know not a not a ton of playoff experience whereas Bruce Cassidy is leading this Vegas Golden Knights with that experience right like he went to the final he has that playoff experience he he's he's bringing that experience to this team who already has their fair share of playoff experience i think they literally went out of the 6 years that they've it's been 6 years already right Six years that the Vegas Golden Knights have been a team. Yes. Four of those years, they've made the playoffs. So, I mean, they're doing well for themselves. They have the depth. When you can roll four lines like they do, and for your third line, to your, your center is William Carlson with your wingers as Riley Smith and Nicholas uh, Wah. Wah. Is that how you yeah, say it? Is Wah. it Roy I think or is it, it Wah? I think it's Wah. Yeah. I mean, come on. You're going to be a hard team to beat. And obviously, Jack Eichel being the franchise player that the Vegas Golden Knights needed, right? Obviously, there was a little bit of skepticism because his surgery, coming off of it, would he be up to par? Would he be that player that they needed him to be? I mean, I think he's doing it. I think we can all agree on that. While he hasn't been probably the electric, like... um crazy goals that you you know high crazy highlight goals like McDavid he's been putting in his own for this team. Yeah. Absolutely. He's not, you know, deking through four guys and scoring these highlight real goals, but he's playing he's playing the type of playoff hockey that Cassidy will demand and and he's doing it really well and this is his first postseason too and he's thriving, you know? He's thriving. Uh, I mean, he went there. I, I felt so bad too last year. You know, he's he's on Buffalo, whole career, um, missed the playoffs every year, and then gets to Vegas last year and is like, "Cool, man. Now, now I have the chance to play in the playoffs. Don't make it." You know. Uh, but back to what you said about them uh, making the playoffs almost every year. Basically, this is their fourth year out of six that they've made the conference finals uh, i mean that expansion draft was a master class i know they have their 
their salary cap issues and stuff, but those the guys that they picked up to get to this point, um, you know, and they still have a few of them as well, Riley Smith, Marsha Salt, uh, William Carlson. And the signings they've made, you know, Petrangelo has been huge for that team. Um, you know, they, their goaltending is a mixed bag, but it's worked out for them. Aiden Hill has been fantastic. Um, you had Flurry for a few years. Leonard, who's, I believe, still injured. Thompson, who's still injured. Like, they have so much depth on that back, um, not the back end, but their goaltending, that it's like, dude, if Aiden Hill can play the way he's playing right now, and Lauren, uh, was it Lauren Brassois? Brassois, yeah. If those two guys are are keeping them in this and playing the way they are, imagine what you know Thompson can do, and and Leonard, which I mean it's been a while since he's played, so I I, I personally wouldn't play him, but it's gonna be hard to beat him, man. And they're playing really good against a, a very very solid stars team. Yeah, and just to brush up upon the the Vegas goalies, it's like it's literally been a a goalie carousel, right? Because it's been a constant barrage of injuries to what is possibly the most important position in hockey when it comes to the playoffs. Because you rely so much on the goalie, like it, it usually hinders you that to the point of elimination. You know what I'm saying? Like. Brassois and, and Hill are carrying the torch for Thompson. And I mean, obviously, Brassois went down game three of Edmonton. And I mean, he carried them from you know round one to round two and, and stole, I think he stole two wins um, before he got injured. And obviously, Hill had to finish the job, but I think he did a great job doing that and he's continuing to do so. And it's crazy that what is he is is Hill their third or fourth string goalie and and he's doing what he's doing that's incredible and you you can't ask for much more than that as a as a depth goaltender exactly in a series that's so important and you got to uh give props to their GM i mean going and picking up hill when he did and uh their system too you know just they had thompson he's playing in the echl and then he moved up to the ahl the nhl their their system seems to um breed i guess you could say very good goaltenders and they thrive there especially again cassidy system is very uh goal goalie favoring i guess Uh, that's a terrible way to put it but you know, they, they play for their goaltender, and that's something that Winnipeg did not do, unfortunately, and that's something that Edmonton definitely did not do. You know, Skinner was trying to just drag them on his back, so it's like when you have Vegas playing for for whoever is in net, yeah, it's going to be hard to beat him, man. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. These playoffs are very exciting. We have four teams who who really haven't won it in a long time to have never won it. So, you know, albeit one of them is an expansion team came in and what 2017. So, but still we're going to, we're going to get a cup winner that we haven't seen in the past 15, 20 years. So it's, it's pretty sick, man. I'm really enjoying these playoffs. Yeah. And it's interesting for the market, right? Like it's definitely a good thing that it's four new teams 
that have the the chance to bring the cup to their their city. You know what I mean? I I think you need that every now and then. You can't have the same teams winning because it gets a little dull and boring. You, you want to see these teams succeed. Um obviously with Vegas and the Panthers never winning a cup. The Panthers is surprising. Um but having the stars all date all the way back to 99 and the hurricanes dating back to 06. It's been a while for all four of these teams. And I think honestly, going back on your, your comment about the expansion draft, I think the expansion draft really sets up these expansion teams to succeed. Obviously having the right um, management and, and selecting the choices that you do make for your team. It really shows that having pretty much like almost four second lines is way better than having two overly stacked lines. Am I wrong? No, not at all. I mean, you can't win with two guys. You know what I mean? And I, I think, pretty sure Cast said the same thing. Three guys, maybe? But, it, you know, clearly a little dig at Edmonton with Seidel and McDavid. You cannot win in this league with just two guys trying to carry your team. That's just not how it is in, in the sport, dude. You you can't, you know, and especially once, won't really get into it, but when you start, well, we will when we talk about Dubis in Toronto, but when you're paying guys over $10 million and they, it just, it's hard for the salary cap. You, you can't fit guys, you know, when you have, again, it's going to be, it's going to be easier when we talk about Toronto, but, when you have guys making that much, it leaves less for your depth guys. And those guys that are going to win you uh, a cup or, or win you just playoff games in general. I mean, again, look at Vegas. You know, Brett Howden, he has like nine points this year, uh, they, these playoffs, which this guy is like a, you know, a career fourth liner. So it, when you have depth guys that are making enough and can contribute to your team, that is that's the recipe to building a Stanley cup winning team, not two guys that can carry you and the rest can't, you know what I mean? It's no, you're totally right. And I, I think Kachuk in an interview kind of summed up pretty much how any team should be playing right now is they should be having fun. I think that's the, the key point. If you're not having fun and you're, you're not, Going out there and enjoying the game of hockey, I don't. I don't think you're going to play well. And I think all those players on both Vegas and Dallas, or sh- I should say, the winning teams right now, considering uh, Florida and Vegas, I think they're just having fun out there with each other. And and I think that's why you're seeing them come together and and all the lines are rolling and they're just succeeding. And it was weird coming into the series too because and obviously this is this is regular season stats so they don't really mean anything in the postseason but Jake Ottinger coming into this Vegas series was 4-0 in the four games that he played against the Golden Knights so I mean you come in you come into that series and you think wow we have a we have a really good chance and I mean granted they did I mean he brought them into two overtimes so I mean it's not like he played poorly it's just you had to have the team finish the job for him. And 
I think when you have a coach of Peter DeBoer as well, uh, of his caliber and his experience, you're you're also setting up for a lot of success. And you have Robert Simrolling and and Pavelski and and all these guys really pitching in. This is a really solid team, and the fact that Vegas has two games on them right now is bonkers. Pretty crazy. I I didn't see that coming. I mean, with how close the games have been. I could see it. I definitely didn't expect any blowouts. Um, but yeah, it's, it is bonkers regardless. Um, and Dallas depth too. I talk about depth and how you need it. And Dallas has it and they still can't, can't get the job done. So it's, it's tough, man. It, they say it's the hardest uh, trophy to win. And you're seeing it right now. Dallas has a fantastic team. Can't get it done. Boston, you know, best regular season team of all time. Going to get it done. It's it's tough, man. And you talk about success earlier, right? If there's, if there's one team in recent memory that has not had much success, who do you think that would be? I'd have to take a, a guess here on that being Toronto. That would be Toronto. And I say success... In terms of playoffs, because they've done well in the regular season, you know, but when it comes to playoffs, they've just, you know, dating back to, I'll, I'll start at 2013, sorry guys, but, you know, that that 4-1, I love it personally, but I know Toronto doesn't. Um, I think from there, that's when it really settled in, like, whew, man, we, this is going to be harder than, than we thought, and when Dubas came in, you know, uh, he was only there for five seasons, uh, as GM anyway, and they did really well. the The firing doesn't really sit well with me in a way, but what I wanted to do was kind of go through his his resume, right? From from when he was hired in twenty fourteen as assistant GM up until the the point where he was fired a few days ago. And, you know, he goes on as assistant GM and wins a Calder Cup uh, in 2018. Gets hired that same year, or, or sorry, promoted that same year as the full GM. Uh, and his first task was the NHL draft. He drafts Rasmus Sandin, Sean Dursey. And to be honest, I'm sorry for this guy, but I, I don't know how to say his name. Semyon Der Arguchinstev? Arguchinstev? Don't know. So sorry, man. Uh, and then in free agency, he signs John Tavares to a seven-year, $77 million contract. That was a big first year for him. And I thought he did pretty well. You know, the Tavares signing should have been better than probably what it was. You know what I mean? Um... I don't know. It's just he's had so many like weird moves and he's had some good signings, but some really bad ones. Um, uh, let's just let's just go through and and uh, talk about his resume for a little bit. What did you think of the firing? I mean, I wouldn't say it was expected because I think them getting out of the first round was a huge plus on Dubas coming back in as GM. Um, so honestly, I wasn't even really concerned for him losing his job. 
because if anything, I, I thought he earned it right then and there. Um, because I, after the hiatus that they had of not being able to make it out of the first round for so many years, you would think that would literally set you in stone that you're coming back. And I don't know. It's it's a questionable move. I'm curious to see where Toronto is going to go in terms of hiring for their next GM. It's also curious to know where Dubas is going to land, considering right now his two big ones that everyone's kind of talking about right now are probably Pittsburgh and Ottawa. And it's actually funny because Pittsburgh today were just given permission to speak to him. So there might be a pitch there where he might land in Pittsburgh. And what's crazy is prior to the Dubas firing, it was apparent that Pittsburgh had already found their fit on who they were going to lock in as a new GM. But the moment that he became available, they decided to put that on pause and try to reach in with Dubas. And I don't blame him. I mean, again, going back on what you said, I feel like Dubas had had some questionable moves. I think the one everyone kind of looks at right now is the Kadri one. Because I feel like they didn't get much back for Kadri. And obviously if Ryan O'Reilly doesn't re-sign, it's a little questionable for how many draft picks they gave up in the run that they had. Kind of lackluster. Because I think they were expecting to go all the way with this roster. And a lot of the players have stated that they don't want to be moved or they don't want to they, they want to come back to Toronto. Um, I know Nylander and... Matthews and Marner, them being the three, I think they've all stated that. And I'm curious to know if that's for the media or if they actually mean it. I I would probably say maybe a little bit of both. I mean, you know, no player really wants to get moved. You know what I mean? And I know Marner has wanted to play for Toronto basically his whole life. So I'm sure if he did get moved, that would that would be like, uh, you know, that'd be heartbreaking. That I feel like it'd kind of be similar to what uh, Huberdeau went through in Florida, where he didn't want to get traded. It was totally blindsided. And you could kind of tell just by the way he played. I mean, I know he's playing, he was playing under Daryl Sutter's system, but you could tell it kind of affected him. And you never know if it's going to affect them to the point where it's either going to hurt them or fuel them. And I feel like if that were, ha- were to happen to Marner, you know, he's just so good. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to play bad, but playing with the team, the big four that they have, you never know. You know, I think regardless of where Dubas goes and if it is Pittsburgh, that's a huge get for them uh, towards the end of Crosby, you know, Malkin, Latang's career. I think he can put the pieces around them that will that'll compliment them really well to maybe make one more run at it. And you saw what he did in Toronto. He did a good job. You know, there were, there were a few, there were a few things that really weren't too great. I mean, the Muzzin trade that didn't really age well. It was good at the time. Uh, they got a seasoned Stanley cup winning veteran for a young, 
Sean Dersey. You know, he wasn't really he. What's the word? You know, he just, Dersey wasn't the player he is now. You know what I mean? Like Muzzin's career now is likely over, while Dersey's just started. He's thriving. Um, uh, they traded for Jack Campbell, or I say they. He traded for Jack Campbell, um, but he, and he played pretty well in Toronto. But they lost Trevor Moore out of it, and he solidified himself as a pretty, pretty good top nine guy in LA. Uh, again, Toronto just doing LA favors, giving him, <laughs> giving him Trevor Moore and Sean Dersey for guys that aren't even on the team anymore. You know, I get what Dubis was going for, but it was short term, and it didn't help the team get out of the first round. Regardless, now if that's what he's going to go do in Pittsburgh, is short term, uh, I guess replacements to to fill those those depth guys in for for Pittsburgh and for Crosby to get them deep in the playoffs. I think he'll do a good job. But he hasn't really shown, other than the top four, you know, the big four signings, that he can build a a team that will play in Toronto long term. And I mean I I honestly feel for Having so much cap locked in on on that top six, he built a pretty deep team. Like this, this team should have done way more this run in the playoffs. And I mean, I, I think we've we've said that like the last three years when it's come to Toronto, right? I feel like it's a reoccurring theme um, because they usually go all in, and and this is supposed to be the year, and then it never ends up being the year. Um, I feel I feel like a questionable move by him though uh, was the Sandine trade, because um, the moment Sandine went to Washington, I feel like he was great, and I feel like Sandine was great before they even traded him to Washington. And I don't know if Luke Shen was exactly equal to what they lost. I agree. Yeah, um, Luke Shen obviously brought like a different style of play and maybe maybe more catered for the playoffs but again talking about the future of that team you want Sandine you know he's younger I personally think he's better especially offensively he really thrived in Washington and I think all it really took was just time time maybe a different system different coach I know Sheldon Keefe has been there for a while Maybe move on from Keefe and extend Dubis. I don't. I know. I know Keefe is Dubis's guy. He's. They've been together for years now, and uh, that Calder Cup run they went on. That that was Dubis and Keefe. But I don't know, man. I don't know. There's just a few moves that really don't sit well with me. But again, it's it's short term over long term term for him. Nick Foligno that trade wasn't very great you know they gave up a lot for that um trying to trying to think it was it was awful for felino uh, yeah yeah and they and again they gave up so much um maybe long term one that maybe made sense at the time if they knew they couldn't afford cadre and you know they went and got kerfoot in exchange for cadre uh, which at the time, again, like that, that full trade didn't seem too bad. They got Barry out of it. He was a 50-point D-man. Uh, but Kerfoot, Kerfoot never really became the guy they hoped he would be. 
and that's nothing against him because he put up 50 points, but Kadri went on to win the cup and get the bag. You know what I mean? And the worst part, the worst part about that, acquiring Kerfoot, is that they acquired Jared McCann just to keep Kerfoot in, in the Seattle expansion draft. They acquired a 40-goal score, not at the time, obviously, but they acquired McCann just to put him up on the unprotected list, or, uh, yeah, on the unprotected list. And then Seattle obviously claimed him and is now putting up 40 goals and plays a significant role there. So what could have been? You know what I mean? Like, who knows if they had him these playoffs instead of maybe he would have won them another game or two, you know, or just, I don't know, man, there's just questionable moves. And I'm not saying he's a bad GM by any means. He's, he's definitely really good. But I think when it comes to uh, short, short-term thinking, and if Pittsburgh wants to go all in on Crosby and Malkin, Latang and Gensel, then this is the way to go. You, you go for Dubas and hopefully win another cup for them. Well, and just briefly going on that before we wrap this up, I think, I think honestly that if it, it all depends on where Dubas wants to go. Like what, what is his vision right now? If you're, if you want to go for a team that has a short amount of time left and you kind of build off that and build around that and hopefully get a cup within a year or two, because that's probably all you really have left for like a prime run with these with these core players of the Penguins. You go with Pittsburgh, but if you're looking at a team that has a young core that's coming out of a rebuild, you probably look at Ottawa, especially him growing up in Ottawa. You would you would think that that would also be a, a favorite spot of him wanting to go. Because man, what a what a core that Ottawa has, and and the things that they have going for him. And I'm not going to go into that. We can dive into that another time. Um, but I truly think that whatever, whatever Dubis does do, I think he'll find success in it. I, I think I think he should leave the Toronto taint behind. No offense to you, Toronto fans, if there's any listening. Um, but it, it just seems like. He tried and tried, and he he couldn't break through. And going back on your Kadri, um trade, I, I think when you traded Kadri, you lost a lot of heart and grit to your team. And I think as time went on, you're forever searching for that. And in the trades and the the signings and all these other things that they're doing for the team, I, I think he was really looking for that player that would step up. And I think you found that in Ryan O'Reilly. I just don't think you found Ryan O'Reilly in his prime. And I think that's why Kadri went on to do what he did with Colorado because, man, he knew, he knew how to get under team skins and really dig deep for his team. And he knew how to find the back of the net as well. So he, he was a... Uh, a master of doing just that. Yeah, you you said it, man. That is spot on. He, Kadri plays with grit and heart, and you can you know, you obviously had that in the playoffs. You, you know, he made some mistakes. Um, clearly learned from it, 
But when you when you move on from a guy that has that, like Matt Kachuk, look what happens there. You know, he goes from Calgary to Florida, and they're playing behind him because he has that heart and that grit, and obviously the talent. But when you move on from a guy like that, it's really really hard to replace, especially with a guy who you know unfortunately doesn't have the same skill set as Kadri. So yeah, that that was a big loss too. Um, and you talk about Dubas's vision again, like you said, before we wrap up here, you talk about his vision and from, there was an article that came out, uh, today, or maybe it was yesterday that this whole feud between him and Brendan Shanahan, uh, you had, it was, it was back and forth between them. They, they met one day, talked about, you know, Dubas talked about what he wanted, uh, and then against Shanahan's wishes, he went out and talked to the media and said how hard it was on his family and all this. Shanahan didn't like that. There's just this weird, um, like, not a disconnect, but like a, uh, like a power. What's the word I'm looking for here, man? Help me out. Power, power trip, maybe? I don't know. Both guys want to have that power uh, in Toronto. And that, that is what came out today where Dubas wanted basically full control where he actually tried getting Shanahan out of the president of hockey ops um, role that he had. So you, you never know. Maybe maybe he wanted Shanahan's job and Shanahan didn't, didn't like that. And, you know, he just he, he wants to go somewhere where he's going to have more control. Or maybe Shanahan was just too controlling. And I could see that, too maybe limiting Dubas of what he could do and you know maybe maybe the reason why they were getting these vet guys and trading all their prospects was because of him I don't know you know we don't know we're just you know we're just shooting the shit here but I don't know I I hope wherever he goes he him and his family can be more comfortable and uh that he you know he leads the team to to greatness and and just to end off there, I think I think he will. I think he will. I mean, anywhere outside of Toronto, you'll find a little bit more peace at night and and get some sleep because it it is a tough um, team to deal with. I mean, let's be real; it, it, it's a tough market. And I mean, if he goes to Ottawa, it's going to be just as tough, but not nearly as much as Toronto because obviously any Canadian market. We want to see a, a a Canada team take the cup. You know, this is the, the sport is a a Canada sport. You you want to see a Canada team do something and make an impact, but we've we've yet to seen that, and we won't see it this year either. So I mean, there's it's 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 an interesting time for hockey, and we're gonna be in it. Yeah, and. Um... You know, like uh, I'm not gonna go long with it here. Uh, we're gonna wrap this up, but I feel bad for Toronto fans. I mean, just when you think you know they get out of the first round, they have they have all these core guys locked up, and Dubis is you know talking about an extension, and then they lose them, and now now there's all these trade talks of get rid of one of these contracts, and I don't know, man. I, are we are we gonna see Toronto? climb out of it and get better or are we going to see them get worse and 
that's what intrigues me the most is where they go from here. Very true, very true. And I'm eager to see what happens with that team come future. Same. And I think that's a good point to end off on. Um, unless you have anything else you want to add in here, my friend. No, I think that's it. I think we, uh, I think we said enough. We went over, went over all the things we wanted to go over. Um, thank you everybody who listened to the episode and, uh, who keep coming back and listening to these, these two fools talk some hockey. Um, if you like what you heard, please go, uh, subscribe and to our Instagram and YouTube channels. Uh, we're going to try getting more and more content on there as much as we can. And, um, yeah, you can listen to us on any of your favorite streaming platforms, whatever you're listening to on now. And, uh, thank you so much for coming and we will see you next time. See you next time, guys.